Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another edition of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. This week, we're diving into outsourcing, and I've invited my very good friend, Chris Ducker, to come on the show and share with us some tips that will help all of us streamline our business a little bit more and allow us to break away from that crazy addiction many of us suffer from regularly, which is trying to do it all ourselves. Can you relate? At one point or another, if you're an entrepreneur starting a business, you have a local business, a small business, whatever it might be, you probably have suffered from this crazy addiction once or twice in your life. So Chris is going to help us with some very specific, actionable tips to outsource more and get the support that we need. Now, you'll hear me talk about having ice cream sundaes at a Denny's restaurant with Chris. And let me tell you, that was a crazy night. Chris sent me on a wild goose chase all around San Diego at about 11 o'clock at night looking for a midnight snack. So to tell you the truth, not only did we get lost in San Diego, yes, I can get lost in my own backyard very easily. Chris also thinks that I'm a bad driver, which I do not agree with him. But to say the least, we had a really good time and at least we have a fun story that will make us laugh looking back years from now. So again, Chris is a lot of fun. I think you're going to really enjoy this session. So let's go ahead and dive in. When you run an online business, your marketing metrics will tell you what in your business is profitable and where you're throwing money away. Yikes. That's pretty important, right? Luckily, I've put together the Ultimate Marketing Metrics Checklist, which is a free resource that will guide you through tracking and analyzing the most crucial metrics for your business. And let me tell you, I'm going to keep it simple but effective. From evergreen data and revenue generation to podcast metrics and social media growth, this cheat sheet will cover it all. It's the exact one my team and I use to track our metrics on a weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual basis. Let me be honest here. This wasn't an overnight process win for me. It took me 10 years to build this comprehensive list and get it just right. But you, my friend, can start using it today, tailoring it to suit your business-specific needs, but not having to start from scratch like I did. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just getting started, this cheat sheet will help you make informed decisions as you grow your business and empower you to move forward confidently. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics to get your hands on the ultimate marketing metrics cheat sheet now. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash metrics. So Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. Before we get to all the good stuff, I do want you to tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Okay. Well, you know, there's no sort of, you know, rosy story or anything. Not really. Uh, I'm a sales and marketing guy. You know, that's that's my deal. (laughs) Uh, 20, 23 odd years in the sales, marketing and branding world. 12 years ago, uh, I came over, or almost 13 years ago, I came over to the Philippines and I set up myself here. I was working for one of the banks over here initially. Uh, around eight years ago, I started my first company, uh, which I then sold a couple of years later and then sort of took a bit of a hiatus, six months, realized I was spending too much money and I had to get back to work. And so I decided to set up 
uh, my second company, which is now still very much thriving. And I have two additional businesses on top of that. So I have a call center, I have a recruitment uh, company, and then I have a co-working space all here in the Philippines and around 250-odd staff to, to kind of look after. So that's that's my whole deal. That's what I'm all about. Now, to say the least, you are a busy guy. I mean, that's you got a lot going on. But what I love is that you and I got a chance to spend some time together not too long ago when you were in San Diego. And you told me a story. I won't even get into where we were, what we were doing, because it was a little <laughs> bit ridiculous. Okay, I can't say that and not get into it. So Chris brings me to Denny's. And if those of you who don't know Denny's, it's kind of a hole in the wall chain restaurant here. It's probably all around the world. And we are in Denny's eating a Sunday. And he tells me this story about how business has changed for him over the years. And you had this really interesting outlook on business then and business now. Tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. Okay. Well, look, my, you know, with all joking the one side, my, my, Real background is more B to B or business to business, right? So I, I was always sort of, I was brought up in the business world by my mentors back in the UK. I, I was in a publishing company for a long time and I was taught, you know, the, the importance and the qualities of B to B and B to C or business to business, business to consumer. And I kind of lived and breathed that, uh, right the way up until, you know, starting my own company and, and building my own company. And it was a couple of years in. Uh, my son, uh, my youngest son, I have three kids. My youngest son had just turned one year old. He just literally had his first birthday. And I had realized that in his first year, I hadn't really spent a whole lot of time with him. And it hit me like a ton of bricks just before Christmas in 2009. And, um, you know, I went back and I looked through the year and I realized I was averaging about 14 hours a day, six days a week. Wow. I mean, it was insane. It, honestly speaking... I almost killed myself. I, I did genuinely go into burnout mode. I was useless to everyone for about six weeks. And I came out of that and I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to continue to build this business and be a husband and a father, I need to make some drastic changes in the way that I'm not only running my business, but also continue to focus on growing the business because I'm a true blue entrepreneur. I get bored managing stuff. It, I'm not interested in managing. I want to grow. I want to build. That's what I'm all about. That's why I've got three different businesses. I, I can't stop starting new businesses. It's just one of those things. But the ability to create those businesses would not have come about if 2000 or late 2009 hadn't hit me, you know, around the face like a wet fish, right? So what happened was I devised a, a plan. It was a one year goal. That in 2010, I was going to start in January and my plan and my goal was to try and replace myself or remove myself from my business as much as I possibly could day to day by the end of the year and become a full time virtual CEO. That's what I was calling myself. So the plan was basically not obviously to work 14 hours a day anymore, six days a week, but it was more than just that. It was about not having to go into the office every day. It was about being able to you know, take extended trips with, you know, my family. I'm not going to get into the whole four hour work week thing or anything like that, but it was about truly starting to, you know, live the kind of lifestyle that I, that I really wanted to because I was already making great money, but it was just that drive inside of me that, that just kept 
you know, forcing me to work longer and longer hours. So I did. I, I took, you know, 2010 and, and I broke that one year long goal down into mini goals or 12 monthly goals, quite frankly. And, you know, the first month was like removing myself from email hell. Okay. So that was, that was all January was about. It was about all about getting myself out of email hell, removing myself from all of the stupid email threads that I was asking myself or asking my staff to copy me into cutting down from working on five different email addresses to just one and all these other things that I did within January. And I went from literally sitting in Outlook for seven hours a day on and off to working via Gmail on three different devices. So I was way more productive instead of having to be sat in front of uh, my desktop all the time Yeah, and getting my email into the cloud with Gmail. So that was a massive change for me right out the gate. And then it just, it just went on from there. February, March, April, May was hiring. By the end of the year, I hired, I think, eight or nine different people to replace myself in many different areas of the business. And where I felt that one person wasn't good enough or enough in general, I would hire two people. So recruitment and training, for example, or, you know, HR or operations or business development or marketing. I did all these things myself like any other micromanaging entrepreneur. And I eventually just clicked my fingers and said, this is it. Enough is enough. And I, I just started kind of removing myself slowly but surely out of the business. And by the end of the year, I was that virtual CEO. Simple as that. I love that story because so many people can relate. If we really look at how many hours we are working each day, it's probably something we all don't want to brag about for sure. And no, it's I, scary. It is scary. <laughs> and I remember you sitting down with me and saying, okay, Amy, how do you spend your day? And we kind of talked a little bit about here. I'm thinking I'm being efficient and how I'm spending my day. And instantly you saw two or three things that I could clean up or streamline or make easier. So you definitely have that locked in. You have this mindset of making things more productive and efficient and not wasting time. And I love that you have this focus on family and spending time away from the computer, which is great. While I was listening to this whole story, it was really like a life-changing event you went through. And on your website, you talk a lot about this new business or new economy. And can you tell everyone kind of what you mean by that? Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, and this all came out of that year. So let me backtrack just for a minute. So 2010, I started my first blog in January. It's virtualbusinesslifestyle.com. And what I was basically doing is holding myself publicly accountable. I had no online friends or anything. I was Billy No Mates, you know. I literally had <laughs> okay. no, I that had no is friends. That's not a term on, we use here in the states. Did you say? I know. We what, do it, we, wait, what was it English, again? <laughs> it was Billy No Mates. So that's Billy No Mates. So if you if if you got any English guys tuning in, they'll know exactly what that means. Okay, gotcha. But yeah, I, I, I was genuinely, you know, I didn't have I didn't have any contacts online or anything like that at all. Now here's the thing. Two thousand nine I started utilizing the internet very heavily to market my business and it worked. It helped me grow my business. Like I we went from sort of seventy five to literally almost two hundred staff in the space of twelve months. It was ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and and so I, I was aware of the internet and blogging and YouTube and podcasting and all that stuff, but I didn't really you know, I didn't do any of it myself. Um, and up until January 2010, the only reason I would, I would personally get on the internet would be to either check email or, you know, watch silly cat videos on YouTube or right. whatever. So, so that was when I started blogging. 
and it just took off. And every month I would do a monthly report and I would tell people what I was doing within that month to remove myself from, from the business. And people just resonated with it. And then, you know, it was halfway through the year. I started a podcast. Then, you know, I launched a YouTube channel and I was, you know, doing all these different things. So it was crazy. And it was that year that I really came up and I didn't know it at the time, but it was only, it was, it was literally 2012. I started calling it the P2P way of doing business because I was used to the B2B and the B2C. So I started calling it the P2P or the people to people way of doing business. So I've noticed that through blogging and podcasting and all that stuff, social media, that people really want to do business with other people. They don't want to do business with brands. They buy the Nike shoes because Michael Jordan wears them and they can relate to Michael because he's a person. He's a basketball player. He's an icon. They don't buy the shoes because they're Nike. If Jordan was wearing Adidas, they'd be buying Adidas. Right. Right. That's just one example. So people genuinely want to do business with other people. And this is what I call the new business mindset. It's, it's about, you know, applying smart social media strategies. It's about, you know, giving away massive amounts of free content. You know, I always say the best type of opt in to give away to your readers is to create something that you could sell for at least a couple of hundred bucks. Yes. And then give it away for free. That definitely totally agree with you. And I'm glad you brought up content because my next question was going to be, how does content play in this new economy? And for you, you're saying give away as much great, valuable content as possible. And I know it's kind of a no brainer, but tell us a little bit about what that does in this whole P2P type economy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great, question because you know a lot of people are already they're doing this already (laughs) you know what i mean like this is the thing they they don't actually realize that they're doing it and you know the first reason there's a few reasons why we we need to create content in today's economy right the first thing is to get attention now there's so many people out there looking for answers and information on so many different topics particularly online more so today than ever in the history of the Western civilization. I mean, just there's hundreds of thousands of people at any one time looking for what you've got to offer. So you create that content, the high quality original content to get that attention, right? Now, once you've got that attention, because you're now within to the realm of the P2P philosophy, that people to people way of doing business, you can instantly connect with that person. Because you've already answered a question or provided a solution to their problem through your content. So you get their attention, you connect, and then through that content and through the relationship, that P2P relationship that you build up, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be replying to a blog comment or retweeting one of their own blog content uh, pieces or, or something along those lines. But because you've got that connection, that relationship is built up, you can then get to the point of inspiring and supporting people properly. And at that point, you can naturally open up the door to ultimately sell to them. Because I believe in the world of sales, everybody always talks about, you know, the close, right? The closing techniques and all this sort of stuff. But I've never, as a salesperson myself, I'd never focused on the close. I just believe that the close is simply the natural conclusion to the sales process up to that point. So if you've done all those other things up to that point, the close should happen 
all by itself. So into the realm of P2P, it's about creating the content, getting the attention, connecting with your with your readers or your listeners or your viewers, inspiring and supporting them, and ultimately then being able to sell to them and make money. I love that because I always say you got to earn it. You got to earn that opportunity to sell to them. And when you're creating this content, you're grabbing their attention, you're connecting with them, you're inspiring and supporting them. Well, then you've earned it. And you should be putting out those promotions and sales opportunities. So this makes perfect sense, especially to a lot of people that are listening that are starting to create a lot of content and they know they need to create it. But one thing that comes out of everything you've just said here is what do you think is the biggest challenge business owners face when it comes to content creation and content marketing? It's actually got nothing to do. <laughs> what? This is the thing. It, this it wasn't a trick question, so explain. Yeah, no, and, and, and I'm going to give you a trick answer. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I, I don't think the problem is actually creating the content or marketing the content for business owners. I, I think as business owners, we are, you know, we have an idea a second, right? I mean, right. I sometimes joke, you know, with people when I say, you know, when was the last time you jumped out of the shower to register a domain name? Like we've all done that. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, and I wonder how much money GoDaddy's made oh. from that one little activity right there. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions. But anyway, the fact is, I, I, I don't think the issue is actually coming up with the content or the ideas. I don't think the problem is necessarily researching and creating that content or marketing that content. I think the big problem is time, or rather, the lack of time. Okay. Because business owners are ultimately, a lot of us, we're, we're wearing, just like I was, you know, pre-2010, I was wearing all those different hats. And that's where, you know, working with virtual staff and building virtual teams and stuff, and that's probably, you know, a conversation for a whole different session entirely. But I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of maximizing my time as an entrepreneur. And I, I do that through systems and processes, but mostly through the art of delegation. I always say I'm a shitty manager. I'm a very bad manager. But what I can do extremely effectively is delegate. It's got nothing to do with being lazy and not wanting to do the work myself. It just now, it just clicked in me that I am not going to be doing this work anymore. There are other people out there that can do it better than me. They can do it cheaper than what I'm worth, quite frankly, as the business owner himself. And the result is going to be far better. And at, whilst they're doing all that, I can focus on creating that content and making it the best as I possibly can. We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, 
you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I want to talk about Shopify. Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy, all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Okay. So if you've got, so we have content creation or content development, and then we've got content marketing. So when it comes to, like you just said, you can focus on creating that content. So when it comes to content marketing, talk a little bit about what pieces of that can you outsource? Well, there's, there's a lot. I mean, you can actually outsource the very large majority of this entire process, right? So if we were to break it down in terms of each piece of content that you produce, there's, there's, I guess the first stage is research. Okay. The second stage is then actually creating the content. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Then you've got probably the publishing of that content. So either uploading the video or publishing a blog post, whatever. Then there's that instant promotion of that new piece of content when it goes live. And then ultimately you've got the sort of the ongoing marketing because once you publish your content, you, you know, you don't want it to just be hot for a week. You want to yes. be able to get people back there all the time. Right. So they're really kind of like the four or five main parts of this entire process. Now the research, all of that can be outsourced for sure. All of it, everything from, you know, utilizing, you know, Google keyword tool right the way down to, you know, you name it, uh, your virtual staff can do everything there. The content creation, however, I feel is not something that you can and should be outsourcing all that often. Um, it depends a little bit on what you're up to, but you know, if we're talking about building our own brands and selling, you know, products and services and consultations and coaching services and all that stuff based upon our experience and our knowledge, you need to create that content yourself. You're the educator. They're the ones that, you know, you're the one that that needs to connect and have that P2P connection with your, with your prospective customers, which are at this point just your viewers or your readers or your listeners, right? So I feel that, you know, the content is really, it really comes down to creating stuff that's genuinely consumed, right? Not just browsed. Yes. You want your stuff consumed from beginning to end. So when you create this podcast episode, you want your listeners to listen from beginning to end. You don't want them skipping. You don't want them turning off 20 minutes in or 10 minutes in. You truly want them to listen to the entire lot. Um, so 
by doing, you know, by doing all that content creation yourself, you're really upping your game and you're allowing people to get you and nothing but you. So that, that part of the process cannot and should not be outsourced, right? right. The publishing side of it, the promotion, the, the, the ongoing marketing, that can all, that can all be outsourced. Okay. So say that again. Say those last three things again. The. So, so the research can be outsourced. The creation of the content should not be. That should be all you. Then the publishing, the promotion, and then the ongoing marketing should pretty much be handled by other people. Okay. And there's little things. There's, there's little things. So let's break them down a couple, a couple little things on, on each point, right? Yeah. So publishing. When you talk about publishing, what are we talking about? We're talking about uploading video to YouTube. But it's not just as simple as uploading that video, right? You've got to type in the title. You've got to provide a link. You've got to use your keywords, which you've already got through the research. You've got to put together all your categories and then maybe even insert some transcribed text from the video as well. So it's not just about clicking upload and waiting for the video to go live and then that's it. It's over and done with. We're talking 20, 30 minutes worth of work right here. Now, if you do three videos a week, that's an hour and a half. Yes, for sure. What do you charge? You know, what's your time worth as a business owner? When I consult, when I have coaching clients, I don't mind saying it publicly. I charge anything between seven to a thousand dollars an hour. Wow. So that's what my time is yes. worth right there. So that's, that's potentially fifteen hundred bucks I've saved by getting someone else to do my three videos every week. So you see where I'm going here, right? So it's such um, a great know, way to look at it. Mindset. It really comes back to the mindset like, around it. Oh, that's why I call it the new business mindset. Yeah. Another thing that you can do, publishing. We'll, we'll stick with video for a minute, right? So um YouTube playlists. Oh my God. Game changer. <laughs> I I hadn't even jumped onto this bandwagon until around seven or eight months ago where I got my VA to sign into my YouTube account and just group a load of like-minded videos together. So she did like one on entrepreneurship. She did another play playlist on VA. She did another playlist on productivity. And she just did like literally four or five playlists. That was it. Instantly, overnight, I saw about a 25 to 30% increase on my video views. Really? Instantly. Yes. Yes. Wow. Huge, huge. Massive change. Yes. Huge game changer. And all it took was a little bit of work here and there, right? So there's things like that you can do, you know, and, and then, you know, and then you've got the blog post, right? So when we talk about publishing, let's say you've created a, you know, 1000 word blog post in, in a Word document. You put it into your Dropbox folder. Your VA's grabbed hold of it. They've copied and pasted it and taken it into the WordPress platform into a draft post. It's boring. It looks boring. It's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's boring. So what are they going to do? They're going to put the subtitles in there. They're going to bold some text. They're going to italic some. They're going to include some internal links for you from your past content. Boom. That's another 30 to 45 minutes right there for each post that you write. Yes. So, you know, that's just publishing. Okay, that's like one piece of this whole puzzle. One thing right. I think a lot of us, and I am so guilty of this, I have to take the time to teach somebody to do something. And I'm always thinking, not always, I've gotten better at this, but okay, well, it takes me, it's going to take me 30 minutes to teach someone how to do this. And it's going to take me five minutes to do it myself right now. So I'm just going to do it myself right now. Well, over three months, I'm well beyond that 30 minutes it would have taken just to teach somebody a VA how to do it. 
Right. So taking that time, do you see, do you ever see entrepreneurs struggle with saying, but it's just going to take me so long to teach someone how to do something? Oh, every day. Yeah. Every single day. I mean, I, there's not a day that goes by where I don't get any, I get around two to 250 emails a day <laughs> from people on the subject of, you know, virtual assistance or outsourcing or productivity or, you know, the whole kind of kink caboodle that I'm into. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I'll give you, a, I can give you guys actually a really good tip to managing that kind of amount of email in a minute. But no, there's not a day that goes by where I don't see it. And, you know, you just said you, you right then just talk to yourself around. But I guarantee you the chances are you're going to continue doing all the work yourself until you hit overwhelm. And then you're going to give me a call and say, I need some help. Exactly. Because everybody does. Everybody does. Some of the biggest internet marketers on the planet have come to me and say, Chris, I need help. And I've helped them. And big, the, big names. I, I mean, bet. Mutual friends of you and I. I mean, you know. People that you would think have it all together and they're yeah, also right. struggling. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The, exactly. The thing is, how do you get past that point? And again, this is another thing I've been guilty of when you think I can't outsource all those areas of my business because nobody can do it as good as I can do it. So this is dangerous. Now you're floating into the land of what I call superhero syndrome. Ooh, tell me more. Okay. So superhero syndrome is believing that, you know, there's no kryptonite out there. Not for you. You're awesome. Yes. You're, you're, you're better than everybody else in the universe at what you do. No one can do the job better than you. No one is more experienced than you. And it's, it's a terrible, horrible, horrible, uh, you know, disease to inflict upon yourself. And that's exactly what many entrepreneurs do. You know, superhero syndrome is when if you believe that you can save a couple of bucks doing it yourself, you'll do it. If you can teach yourself how to do something instead of passing it off and quote unquote letting go of it, you're going to do that as well. And, you know, superhero syndrome is all about, uh, you know, when the word recharge only actually applies to your iPhone. Right. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's what superhero <laughs> syndrome is. And it, it's not, it's, it's not that we want to micromanage. It's not like we want to stress ourselves out and work 14 hours a day. We, we don't want to do that. I, I don't think we're all that kind of masochistic, you know, in our, in our heart of hearts. I, I don't think that's what we're about as entrepreneurs, but we do it because it's that urge to just get it done and do it now. I can do it. Like you said. It will take me 30 minutes to teach someone to do it. I can do it in five minutes. I'll do it myself. Yes. You know, it's just that mentality and it's a horrible situation. And it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's a downward spiral. It is the absolute easiest way to burn out. And sooner or later, you are going to have to make a choice. And that choice is going to be either a breakdown and burn out and affect your business, your personal life, your relationships, everything, or B, Get smart and start building a team of people to help you do it. Simple as that. Yeah. There really is no other way around it. No, I, I completely agree. And yeah, it's going to take more work up front to get things going, but then the rewards are just amazing. Once you get that team, I finally, this is the first time since I started my business three years ago that I do have a team. I have three other people working with me. They are amazing and they're constantly reminding me, 
Amy, give that to me. Amy, give that up and let me figure it out. Love it. And it's, yeah. it's nice to have a team like that because it's not my natural thing. I've always, you know, I've worked in corporate forever. And as everyone knows, I work with Tony Robbins and I was behind the scenes and I was his worker bee. So to have somebody else do some of that work for me has really been difficult. And I think a lot of people listening have probably had that experience. So, you know, stepping up into that leadership role and knowing that your value is in so many it's bigger than those tasks. It's hard to get past that. But I love what you said about that whole, what do you call it, the superhero syndrome? Is that what it's called? That's what I call it. I, I love it. I it's so it. true. Now, let's get It's down. actually that, that, that particular term yeah. is the opening chapter of my, my book when it comes out next year. So that's, that's, that's you how know, you started kind of, out. There's a little preview for you guys right there. Oh, I like it. I like it. Can you at least give us a hint? Tell us the name of this book so we can be looking out for it. I'll have you on the I show when it comes can. out. It's, it's called Virtual Freedom. That's oh, the title. Say no more. Bring yeah. it on. I, I can't wait till this book goes, goes live because it's going to be, it's going to save, it sounds dramatic, but it's true. It's going to save a lot of lives from that major burnout. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's something that I've been wanting to put together for a while because the information on outsourcing and building virtual teams and becoming that more kind of productive new age entrepreneur is so spread out, is so fragmented all over the internet. And I'm not the be all and end all of it, but I've just, I guess I've been blessed where I'm in a position where I am, you know, I'm able because of where I am here in the Philippines, so I can build these teams relatively easily. I can make all of the mistakes and, and they don't cost me a lot of money. Whereas if I was in the United States or the UK or somewhere else, if I was hiring all these people and going through and making all these mistakes and tweaking all the systems and the processes and the training and all the rest of it, it would, it would cost me, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. So I'm, I'm lucky to be in the position where I am right now. Now, I just want to, you know, the other thing is this. I get a lot of that email every single day. It's just going to be way easier to just say, buy my book. Yes. <laughs> that is a really good point. It's all in there. Just go buy the book. That right, is perfect. Right. So I want to give you, so I want to give you this tip. And, and this is a tip that this is the way that I actually handle that amount of email every day. And I know you get a lot of email yes. as well. I'm sure a lot of your listeners do. So allow me to share this one thing with you because for me, it's been a game changer. Okay. So what I do is I start work at around 10 o'clock in the morning. All right. But prior to me waking up and having my first cup of coffee of the day and making some eggs with my youngest and having some fun and stuff like that, prior to me, you know, turning on the laptop and, and physically looking at my email for the first time, I have a VA that goes into my Gmail inbox and at around 8 a.m., so two hours before I get to work, and she goes in and she starts working that email with a list of FAQ answers that we have produced and created between the two of us, uh, mostly from me in terms of like writing it word for word, uh, but she sort of suggested things off of questions that we get more often and things like that. And what we do is we actually go in and we will reply to those emails or she rather will go in and reply to those emails with the pre-written responses that I've already created to questions I get asked every single day, day in, day out. And she will copy and paste those things and she will clear that email out. And she's actually got so good now that if someone mentions, for example, they're in New York in their email, 
she'll actually go onto the weather channel, see what the weather's like in New York and mention that as the sign off. Like, oh, <laughs> so I hope that answered your question. And, uh, I see New York's been having some storms recently. Make sure you keep yourself dry. All the best, Chris. Oh, come so on. So they believe they're getting a personal response from Chris. Now, some people might say this might be a little dishonest. I think I call, I call a massive amount of BS on that reaction. This has been productive. This is helping my, my, my followers, my subscribers, my listeners in the best way that I possibly can in a time sensitive manner. Instead of letting their email sit there and gather yes. dust over weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, we get back to everyone within a two day period. That is fantastic. And she will go in and she will clean 70% of that email before I even turn my computer on in the morning. And I love it. Not only does that make it so much better for the people emailing you, they get a response right away, but I can only imagine how much better your day is when you log in and see that you don't have a million emails waiting for you. Oh my God. Yeah. And emails that are still there genuinely need my attention. They're things like speaking invitations or, you know, prospective customer, uh, customers or, JVs or business opportunities or, you know, proposals for this, that and the other that they're genuine, they're genuine business opportunities for me. So, you know, um, you're not wasting time. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's oh, it. I love that. Okay, Chris, I love that you're making this so actionable. One of the goals I had for this podcast was to make sure that people actually got off the podcast and took action. So I love when we give them steps or actions or ways to implement. So I thought for this final wrap up, I'm going to ask you three questions and it's going to be like the lightning round. And I want you to give some really actionable solutions to these questions coming up. So are you good with that? I'm good. You okay. and you did not prep me. No, so I did not. They're not. I'm scary stuff. Yeah, I, I could be I could be throwing you for a loop, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. You've got this great post on your blog, 10-step process for what a VA should do to get a blog up and running. So I thought a great question here to make it really actionable. How do you get a team member up to speed so that he or she can work without a lot of handholding? Okay, so first things first is when you hire somebody, you got to hire for the role rather than the task, okay? Okay. That's, that's like the biggest thing right out of the gate. So stop thinking small fry and stop thinking about the task, but rather think about the role. What will that people, what will that person be doing for you day to day on a role perspective, right? If you do that, you're going to get someone with a little bit more experience out of the gate. They're going to be a little bit more of a self starter and they're going to be able to sort of really bring genuine value to your business a lot sooner on than someone that you're going to have to train, train per task. If you get me right. Got it. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, I mean, most of the virtual assistants that I work with are very visual learners. So, you know, there's no need for you to spend hours and hours on Skype with them, sharing screens and all this stuff. What you do is you just use some screen capture uh, uh, software such as, you know, ScreenFlow or Camtasia or Jing, even, you know, the, the five-minute wonder, yeah. um, you know, whatever <laughs> works. And you just walk them through visually on your screen what you want done and how you want it done. Okay. And the beautiful thing about having a video recorded and ready to go is that you can leave that in Dropbox or you can upload it to your own company wiki or whatever. And once you've got that over a period of time with all the videos that you'll shoot, you then actually have an internal training encyclopedia Ooh. that you can then 
hand off to additional team members as and when they join, which is great. Yeah. Right? You're only doing it once, which is great. So there's a couple things right there. Make sure you hire for the role, not the task and use visual training aids when you're getting people up to speed nice and quick because they can, they can genuinely understand it a lot easier than just you know, reading a bullet point email or, or, you know, looking at you sort of doing it live via Skype on, on the, the screen sharing side of things. Okay. Really cool. And this is, this one might be, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to throw you for a loop with this one, but if I'm looking to hire someone, is there some kind of trait or characteristic or, or behavior that I can instantly see to find out if they are more of that go getter? They can work independently kind of person versus if someone's going to need tons of handholding and a lot of direction? It's a great question. And I, I mean, I don't think there's a, a, a you know, a, a short, fast answer for it, right. but I can give you one tip that I have my recruitment people use when they're conversing with people. So we will not just interview anyone, right? So if we, if we post a job or if we're looking for to hire somebody, we're not going to interview every single person that sends us a resume. It's just not going to happen. Uh, we'll get hundreds, literally, for a blog, for, for, a, for a job post, right? So what we do is we actually have uh, a number of different procedures within the recruiting process to weed out the weaklings before we get to the more solid players, and then we'll start getting on the Skype and interviewing them. But the one thing that works really, really well, and we do this around mid recruitment procedures. So maybe after the first email and the cover letter and the resume comes in, we'll go back and we'll ask them two or three quick questions. And we'll actually embed a sentence that will say something along the lines of, in your reply, please mention the sport football. Oh, I love this. <laughs> right? Because the, uh, you know, the, the, the real attention of people is always in the details, right? So have I got your attention? If I have, then when you send me this reply, whether it be in the subject line, whether it be in, in, you know, the PS or in the middle of the content, whatever the body of your email, you're going to mention football. If I've got your attention, if you're paying attention, if you're smart, if you're savvy, you're going to mention what I've asked you to mention in that email. And that right there, I can tell you cuts out about 80% of the applicants. That one little thing right there. Oh, I'm so glad I asked that question. I wasn't going to ask because I thought, I know it's not an easy, quick answer, but that is brilliant. Fantastic. So glad you threw that out there. Okay. Cool. So I've got two more for you. Is it better to have a team of people who specialize in different things or are we looking for a VA that's kind of like the jack of all trades? Okay. It doesn't exist. That's the problem. The super VA is what I call it. And it's a myth that I've debunked <laughs> over and over and over again. Good to know. Um, <laughs> You know, I get, I get emails like this all the time. Hey, Chris, uh, I'm thinking about hiring my first VA and I need them to do this. And then I'll get a long list of everything from SEO to web development to graphic design to admin tasks, the video editing, the podcast, you know, just everything and anything. That's the jack of all trades VA you're talking about. Think about it logically. Okay. Just very logically go real world with it, with me for, here for a minute. I'm with you. Does it happen in the real world? No. Okay. So then why the hell would it happen virtually? I was just hoping that maybe it could, but it makes sense that it's not going to happen. So. Uh, you know why you're hoping? You're hoping for two reasons. First and foremost, 
you're you're being like most business owners, you're being a bit of a tight ass. Okay. Yeah. You don't you don't want to have to pay three people if one person can do everything, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is you want an easy life. So you only want to manage one person instead of a team of people. But here's the thing. Once you do start hiring for that role instead of the tasks and you develop your team of people. So let's say you've got like a general VA, which by the way, your GVA, every single entrepreneur on the planet should have this person. Everyone. All right. Okay. Um, and, and if you want a list of all the different types of tasks that virtual staff um, yes. can have for you, you can go to my blog, chrisducker.com forward slash 101. And that's oh. 101 tasks that you can outsource to all these different types of people. All right. Brilliant. So Everybody should that. have a blog post like that. 101, whatever it is. That was really smart, Chris. I love that. Okay. We'll go okay, there. Cool. I'll link to it. So you should totally do that. Um, but so the GVA will handle all of your admin, your flight itinerary, your updating of your social network, you know, your online research, your calendar management, all that stuff. This person ultimately becomes your right arm. Like you can't live without this person. It's huge. Then you've got your web developer. Then you've got your graphic designer because they are two completely different people, right? That's the one role yes. or the two roles rather that everybody always wants to combine. It doesn't happen. It's like a roofer and, and a plumber. <laughs> you know, so they, both, true. they both help build houses, but they're totally different, right? And then you've got, you know, things like the video editor or, you know, maybe the SEO or the, or the marketing VA, that sort of type of thing. So once you build that team up, let's say you've got the three to four people. At that point, you're going to bring on, you're going to either A, bring on board a project manager, or you're going to maybe promote your GVA into that project manager role. Because once you've got three or four people, you're not a business owner anymore. You're a manager. And you don't want to be a manager. Right. You want to be a business owner. So once you've got three or four people in place, you want to stop managing them, work with one person as a project manager, and get them to manage the rest of the team for you. Oh, that's brilliant. So now you can step out of that role as well. Okay. Yep. As that manager role. Okay. Yep. This is good stuff. I knew, I knew you'd have good stuff for us, Chris. <laughs> so to wrap it all up, the final question, a lot of people listening have not really delegated much of anything. They haven't really jumped into the VA world at all. So if you're just starting out, what one or two tips do you have to get people starting, kind of maybe starting with baby steps? Okay. Well, I mean, you know, the majority of the people that listen to your podcast do what exactly? What realm are they in? Coaches, consultants, maybe some are doing local businesses. They have service online programs to sell. So it's, it runs the gamut, but there's a lot of people that are doing business online. Okay. All right. So online entrepreneurs, maybe speakers, coaches, people authors. that are out there building their brands, authors, that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Okay. So... This, you know, the simple couple of things that they can get going with immediately are things such as, you know, email and schedule management, like calendar management. They can get involved with getting more organized. So things like their storage, you know, Google Drive, Dropbox, Google Docs, you know, uh, setting up and preparing PowerPoint and keynote presentations for them, things like that. Perfect example. I just came back from a trip from the US where we did meet and, and eat ice cream at Denny's, yes. um, which was, <laughs> which was scary. Uh, the journey there was scary. That, that's for another podcast completely. Yes. <laughs> but whilst we were out and about having fun and everything, I had, I had cre I was, a, I was preparing, uh, as you will remember, Amy, from our conversation, I was preparing for 
my first ever speaking opportunity with the National Speakers Association of America at their annual convention in Philadelphia. Yes, big time. And this is big it was time. Very stuff. big. I mean, for me, huge, particularly as I'm a non NSA member and they just generally, they don't invite a whole lot of non members to present. Right. So right. even a bigger deal for me personally. So, you know, if you think I'm going to sit in front of my computer as a business owner, as a busy speaker myself, if you think I'm going to sit in front of my computer and create a 93 slide one hour presentation, you are mental. You need to go and see a doctor. What I did was write down or, or give instructions on my 93 slides via Word. I did three or four slides as a template design in terms of the way I wanted it to look. And when you and me were out having dinner and ice cream, my VA in the Philippines was busy putting that PowerPoint presentation together for me. That's what I love to hear. That's how it right? should be working. Yeah. So they're the little things that you can do. And it really, it, it, you've got to let go. This is where we, that superhero syndrome comes into play. You've got to let go. You've got to let go of these things because people don't want to let go. And, and you'll find that the sooner you do start letting go and the sooner you do start giving more and more opportunity for other people to handle this stuff for you, the more and more productive you're going to become. And, and the more and more online courses you can create, the more speaking you can do, the more coaching clients you can pick up and work with, the more traveling you can do, the more content creation you can do, and the more money you'll make as a result of it. Simple as that. Simple as that. It definitely changes your business. I know it has for me. And you truly are my go-to source when it comes to outsourcing and learning how to do it smart and do it the right way. So I want everybody to go check out chrisducker.com. I'll link to some great articles you've already written, Chris, especially that 101 article and 10 ways to get your VA started and all those great things that you've written on your blog post. So I will send tons of traffic your way because I think people need to know what you know. So I cannot thank you enough for being on the show. No, it was absolutely my pleasure. And uh, I'm more than welcome to answer any questions. Uh, if anybody's got any questions or whatever to drop them in your uh, your show note comment box or whatever. I'm, I'm always available. Perfect. Thanks a bunch and you have a wonderful day. You too. Take care. Take care. I hope you enjoyed hearing all of Chris's tips and strategies. I know I sure did. And hopefully you're walking away with some new ideas and solid action items you can implement right away. All the links we talked about in this show can be found at amyporterfield.com forward slash 16, just the number 16. Also, if you like this podcast, I would really love for you to tell your friends. Just go to amyporterfield.com forward slash love and you can tweet about it to help me spread the word. Until next time, make it a great week. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com.